From Green Biz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from Green Biz events. I'm Joel McCower. Commitments maybe get you some attention, but actually now is the one the work has to start. And people need to follow through on those commitments. Um, we sort of set the floor with what that looks like. The next year, the next two years, is going to be very much focused on how are we delivering results against those. That was Rob Kaplan, founder and CEO of Circulate Capital, an impact-focused investment management firm. He sat down with Haley Lowry, the global sustainability director of Dow Chemical Company, Janice Cyrils-Jones, CEO of the international nonprofit Ocean Conservancy, and me at the GreenBiz19 conference in Phoenix, Arizona, to talk about how to tackle the growing problem of ocean plastics. Let's listen in. So um, Janice, let's start with you. Help us set the stage on, so where are we in this conversation about ocean plastic? Because it seems to have gone from, from nowhere to, to somewhere. And I'm sure it's not because it, it was not nowhere. We will take all the credit for that. You've been working on this for a long, long time. But what, how would you describe the state of play? So I really appreciated that you started with the sea change because it feeds right into ocean conservation, ocean conservancy. And I will say uh, ocean plastics are everywhere today. Uh, it's very hard to look at any media right now without seeing ocean plastics, but it is a very complex problem because it involves an entire global system of consumption. And that implicates products and packaging and business practices and infrastructure and policies and consumers. And so we have been working on this issue for more than 30 years, and we have always been science-based and impact-driven and seeking solutions. And so we have two ideas at the core of everything that we do on ocean plastic. The first is to stop the flow of plastic into the ocean in the first place, and the second is to convey that really very real sense of urgency uh, to solve this problem. So how many of you have seen uh, the seahorse wrapped around a Q-tip? that image, or the image of the sea turtle with the plastic embedded in her nose, those images are incredibly powerful and they're very important for raising awareness about this issue and they demonstrate with crystal clarity that plastics do not belong in the ocean. And the other image we all really need to get into our minds though is the image of a coastal dump or the image of a bay filled with floating plastic or the image of a wave cresting onto a beach that is filled with plastic, because that truly is the scope and the scale of the problem um, that we are dealing with. And that is a, systematic, a systemic problem that requires a systemic solution. And that's why I'm so happy to be sitting here with Haley and Rob today to talk about some of the solution spaces we've been working in together. But I do also want to announce for us a bold new goal, which is to end the flow of plastic into the ocean by 2030. This is an incredibly ambitious goal and one that we can't accomplish without everybody on the stage and frankly, everyone in this room, but it is what's absolutely necessary for the ocean. Eight million metric tons of plastic flow into the ocean every year. That is the equivalent of a dump truck a minute and that is part of the reason why you're seeing so many people in the public interested in ocean plastic and seeking to stop it. So at Ocean Conservancy, we focus on three things, policies, people and the private sector. Private sector is what we want to talk with you about today. And it is critically important that we all engage in this systemic problem and search for systemic solutions right now. Because just in the past hour, 
we've had another 916 tons of plastic enter the ocean. Well, let's bring in a fourth P, which is partnerships, because that's really what, what, what's going on here. And it, it's always been controversial within the environmental community about working with corporations. Some do, some do it very well. But how does this work? Because you, you work with Dow, obviously, and, and, and a number of other companies. In the sort of the good cop, bad cop, where, where do you see yourself? <laughs> Well, one of the, it's very simple for us why we work with corporations in this space. From our perspective, corporations are part of the problem, so they need to be part of the solution. And we have found really amazing partners over the years that truly invest in the solution space with us. And again, I would challenge all of you to join us in that solution space. Partnerships are only valuable if the work that you're doing together is meaningful and measurable and if there is credibility on both sides of the partnership, so credibility in the sustainability space, credibility in the conservation space. And part of the way that we work with partners in the trash space is to have criteria and requirements to make sure that the work is measurable and meaningful. And we ask our partners to be transparent um, with their commitments inside their own business practices to change what they are doing so that they reduce their plastic waste overall and to commit to working with us on this global solution at the same time. Well, I want to come back and talk about what you've learned about working with companies, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But let's, let's turn to, to Dow and Haley. This is, uh, I think, an interesting moment for companies in the petrochemical industry. Uh, you've just, uh, along with uh, uh, most of the other big companies, announced the uh, Alliance to End Plastic Waste. And uh, I mean, one could, uh, first of all, it, it's absolutely commendable to come together, and I think it's like a billion dollars that you, 1.5 yeah. billion yep. dollars that you're planning to, to uh, invest over time. Um, but it's, it's kind of, in some ways, uh, a right to operate thing for you as well. Yeah, you know, at Dow, we believe that plastics um, are valuable for a circular world. Uh, we don't want to see plastics or any waste in the environment. Um, and I think that's something that we all here can agree upon. Um, and we really want to see plastics work in a circular economy. And this is something we're, we're really driving towards. And we know that we can't do that alone. It's going to take partnerships um, to scale. That's something that the Dow does really well, is we have strong material science. Um, we have strong product development. So when we're thinking about how to design packages for recyclability, how to create new products that work in these new systems. but um, there, there was a quote that, that I just love, and it talks about, I mean, this is a courageous conversation piece, right? And it talks about, you know, courage, and, and really what, what courage is all about. And um, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, um, but you can't choose both. And I think we have to rethink systems, we have to rethink business models, we have to rethink products, we have to rethink investments in the way that we work, and that's you know, through a lot of the work that we've done with Circulate Capital. So two of the big initiatives that you know, we're most honored and really proud to be part of are the Circulate Capital um, founding investor, as well as the Alliance in Plastic Waste, which is the $1.5 billion of investments, to go and tackle this, because I think we all realize there's a problem. We have to fix this problem, and we can't do that alone, um, and we need to be part of the solution. Yeah, I'll push back on your comfort, uh, courage, because I think okay. it requires a certain comfort to be courageous. Sure. That you have to uh, feel that it has to be the right moment, that you have to have some sense of, of um, security that you can push 
uh, from where you are now to where you need to go and not, uh, you know, throw out the baby in the bathwater. I hate that metaphor, but, you know, uh, you get the point. And so uh, what's, what's that conversation been like? I mean, I understand every company, all your competitors say that, you know, plastics are, you know, have to be part of the circular economy. And, and I don't think there's anybody in this room or the thousands watching online who are going to disagree with that. But uh, what is it, sort of, I'm trying to get to that moment of the catalytic moment at, at Dow where they, you know, if, pardon my French, but the holy shit moment where you kind of had to say, you know, we need to think about this differently. What was that like and how did that come about? Yeah, I think a lot of the, the change, I mean, Dow's been investing in, in sustainability and, and this has been a core um, part of who we are for many years. Um, and it's really something that we've taken to the next level as well. Um, I look at it more as an opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity to create new products. It's an opportunity to solve system. It's an opportunity, um, Janice, you mentioned, uh, you know, trash. I don't like to look at it as trash. I like to look at it as a resource. You know, you can use it again and again, and I think that's ultimately what we're trying to get to. Yeah. And all of this takes money, Rob. And, uh, <laughs> and, you've, uh, and you've been on, uh, on all sort of sides of this. You come from the corporate world, Walmart and Brown Foreman, and, and, and you've seen uh, you know, how this works. And now you're, uh, you're running this fund, uh, Circulate Capital, that I, I don't, I've lost track of how big it is. Um, Just but over 100. How much? Just over 100. It's over $100. No, yep. <laughs> $100 million uh, to, um, to, to catalyze uh, basically a, a, a waste collection infrastructure uh, in Southeast Asia. Is that primarily? Talk yeah. about what you're doing, where you are. Yeah. Well, it, it all started way, way back about 18 months ago. <laughs> when if I had come to GreenBiz staff and said, I want to pitch you guys on a plenary panel on ocean plastic, you guys would have said, well, how about this, this uh, side event maybe the day after the conference? And uh, we were, I was sitting in my office in, in New York, and our friends at Ocean Conservancy and Janice's team came to us and said, you know, we've done all this research. We found that most of the plastic gets into the ocean in South and Southeast Asia. It's happening because nobody's investing in the required integrated waste and recycling infrastructure there. Um, no one's been doing it for a long time. And it's going to take billions and billions of dollars. Uh, what could we do to apply some of the work that you've been doing into that set region of the world? And so we took a look at it. And this was before anyone was really paying attention. Uh, and then over the last year, the thing sort of exploded, right? And we decided to accelerate. And instead of do it as sort of a side project, I took this concept and we created Circulate Capital. And we partnered with um, Ocean Conservancy to help design it. Dow backed us to do it along with um, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Unilever, Danone. They've all committed to this $100 million strategy to uh, invest capital in ways that uh, prove interventions as scalable and replicable and prevent tons of plastic waste from getting into the ocean as quickly as possible. So what are you actually doing together? Um, well, for on the Dow side, I'm, I'm managing their capital. Um, and then uh, Janice is keeping us honest. <laughs> uh, we have, it's, as we talked about, and Janice mentioned this, it is a complex system problem that requires all sorts of actors to figure out those system solutions. And that means there is a conservationist approach that needs to be brought to bear. But at the end of the day, this is a land-based problem with an ocean-based uh, impact. 
And you can't bring a team of oceanographers into a, a boardroom with an investment team to say, like, here's how we're going to solve for this. So it requires building out these new skills and, and thinking about it as a supply chain. As Haley talked about, these are resources that are being put out there. How do we capture them and create more value? So you're building the, is it the, the Southeast Asian equivalent of MRFs? Multiple resource yeah. yeah, so how do we collect more? How do we sort more? How do we process more? And build markets for material that currently you know, ends up in the environment because there's no value to it. Right. If there's value to it, uh, someone will collect it. Right. And, and we know this because in most parts of uh, India, the PET recycling rate is um, double or triple what we see in the US. And it's because there's a value to this material and people want to capture it. Right. So I'm, I mentioned there's a huge education component about this, Janice, that uh, because you've got people all over the world, uh, but the focus on, on China, Vietnam, is India part of it? it, it or, yep. Yeah. Um, where, and other countries where they've used to doing things a certain way for a long time with waste in general, and now you're trying to create this, this other kind of system. What's the education component that, that you need for, for, for any of you? But Janice, let's start with you. Well, it's funny being an ocean conservation organization to even be thinking about these things in the first place. When we first started doing this work and looking at the science, it never occurred to us that we would end up this far upstream uh, and having to look at source reduction on land rather than doing ocean conservation work. So part of what we really need to do is to look at the geographies in which we're doing this work um, and trying to set up these systems and make sure that we are being culturally appropriate uh, and paying attention to what the actual needs and the systems already are, and then seeing how to move them into higher collection rates and things like that. Can you like give an that. example of a, something you learned about being culturally appropriate that we might, as Westerners, may not have thought about? Well, I think different cultures have different relationships to the concept of waste, and particularly in the West um, and in the EU, where we have such high consumption rates and are so used to the culture of convenience and have the systems in place to at least capture some of that. Um, our whole concept of what is waste and what is wasteful is very different than if you go into much smaller communities that have not had um, that opportunity, quite frankly, to consume as much as we do. And so being very clear-eyed about what that means and clear-eyed about what it means when there are economies that already collect some of this waste um, in different um, systems that you do not want to entirely disrupt without thinking through what that looks like for people who live there. Yeah. And I, well, I want to get to questions in just a second, but I really want to understand what, what before we run out of time, is what, what's, what do you want from the private sector here? What, besides the uh, great list of brands that you've already got connected, obviously Dow and, and a lot of the petrochemical companies, what's the opportunity um, or the ask for this audience? I would, say, I would say a couple of things. I mean, private sector partnerships are important in this realm because we need to be at scale, and we cannot do that alone. As Rob said, this is a really integrated problem. As Haley mentioned, you need all um, of the value chain there to support to, and to get to some of these solutions. So from our perspective, private sector brings expertise, technological capacity, and resources that can really help us have an outsized impact on this problem. And when you talk to the municipalities and the governments that are really on the front line of ocean plastic, they want private sector involvement. Um, so it really makes sense to have, to have brands, to have manufacturers, to have producers involved in the solution set 
and there's a lot of appetite for that as well on the government side. And the only other thing that I would add is we've got to include waste management companies in that conversation too. I think traditionally in the private sector, we've talked to our customers or suppliers, or maybe you go one, you get a little you know, crazy and you go one step beyond, but, but honestly, that the entire value chain has to be part of the discussion in order for us to really solve this, and that's what the private sector can do. We can bring solutions at scale um, and investments into these things. Do you feel that the entire value chain is involved now? I do, absolutely I do. And I think the alliance to end plastic waste is one example where that is that conversation is happening. Mm -hmm. um, in order to, to get the feedstock back to with the ultimate vision of plastics being truly circular and using that to make um, additional uh, plastics in the future, that has that chain has to exist. Yeah. So yes. I, I just add that, you know, there's been because of such the, the intensity in this topic over the last year, we've seen incredible amount of awareness building and commitments from companies. In fact, I think you guys actually made your own commitment um, this past year. Uh, but you know, commitments get maybe get you some attention, but actually now's the when the work has to start. And people need to follow through on those commitments. Um, we sort of set the floor with what that looks like. The next year, the next two years is gonna be very much focused on how are we delivering results against those. Yeah. Heather, let's get a question in. What do you got? So one of the, um, some of the buzz on, online has been, okay, we call consumers litter bugs. We kind of point at them as, as, as the, the problem, like they're the ones dropping it on the ground and so forth. So my question and from the, the group here is, what can we do, what can the brands, the consumer products brands in particular do to help those people that are, have seen those photos and want to do something about it how, how, can they, how can they help the consumers participate? How can they engage that part of the value chain, the consumer, and what resources can they, because clearly in the United States, in particular, it's broken. Um, people don't know how to recycle. This hotel is different from that hotel, is different from this town, et cetera. So how do we get the producers getting the consumers to be better part, a better part of this? Janice, well, you take that on? I'll start, although I think yeah, it would be great yeah. to get Haley and Robin there. Especially um, since there's no consumer brands up here. I'm happy well. to speak on that. <laughs> um, I mean, first of all, I do think we need to fundamentally redesign our relationship to plastic. And then at the end of the day, we need to be to a truly circular economy. So I think there is a huge part on the design end and on making things easy for consumers. Um, a big part of that from our perspective is having the infrastructure available to actually collect that material so that it can be reused yeah. rather than turn into waste. And so I think for us, that's a huge investment that the brands need to make, um, that the manufacturers need to make as well to make it easy for consumers because the United States is a great example of where we have a lot of recycling infrastructure but still very low recycling rates. Yeah, yeah and, and from my side, I would say I'm going to take a little different spin. I think the retailers can actually really be part of this conversation as well. I mean, in North America specifically, there's the store drop-off locations, and I know sometimes that's inconvenient to, to store up the films that can't be put in your curbside recycling and take them to the store. But if the systems exist, we need to utilize them. If they don't exist, we need to create them, and those are programs like the Hefty Energy Bag with hard-to-recycle hard plastics that if you live in Boise, Atlanta, or, um, you know, or Omaha, those are places where you can participate in those programs. And so there's a lot each that we individually can do. But I'd say the retailers have a big um, play in this as well to be part of the solution. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy about how much of this, you know, the companies, you know, push this off to consumers as their problem. And, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, 
controversy about the, uh, what is it, the Amer Keep America Beautiful that sort of said, litter, yeah, you consumers, you need to take care of that. But, but uh, I'm sorry. I think we all have to be part of the solution. We know that there's a problem. We all yeah. have to be part of the solution. So we're kind of out of time, but I want to ask you a really quick question and really short answer, which is when we meet back here at, at GreenBiz 2021, a couple years from now, how do you hope that this conversation has changed? Uh, we talked about this, you know, this sea change. We talked about this hoota thunk moment. That this has really happened also quickly, 18 months ago, and all that. So, how is it going to be different in 18, 24 months? I hope we're not having this conversation. We're talking actually about the solutions that have been scaled and showing significant impact of, you know, the plastics that have gone to the environment that are not going to the environment anymore. Okay, so we won't be doing this panel in two years. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about scale uh, okay. and solutions. Rob? I mean, my, I think you touched on this in your opening remarks. Like, I think one of our biggest risks, so my flip of that, my hope, is that this group, the community that we are looking at here, the community online, but even the environmental and sustainability community overall, starts thinking about this as an opportunity for real impact rather than an opportunity to drive an individualized agenda. Um, we have a lot of infighting going on. My solution is better than your solution. And the answer is all solutions are required. And so my hope is that in a couple of years we're focused on elevating and advancing all of those rather than arguing which one's better. Yeah, Janice, I'll give you the last word. I would uh, echo that and add that I hope that we're actually talking about the impact that we have had over the past few years and that we have a measurable reduction toward that end goal of no more plastic in the ocean by 2030. So I hope we're talking about the progress we've made collectively. Well, I love the big goals. I love that the goal and the ending alliance to end plastic waste is a great goal. And now let's, let's make sure that it, it actually happens. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for showing the way. Please, so please give our panel a hand. You've been listening to Rob Kaplan, Haley Lowry, and Janice Cyrils-Jones discuss the strategies for eliminating marine plastics at the GreenBiz 19 conference in Phoenix, Arizona. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening. <laughs>